when you have these days, have them. Get into bed, cry, scream, be angry, turn your phone off, don't even brush your teeth, don't shower, mm. just lay in a mess. But the important thing is open the curtains, let the sunlight in and live your life afterwards. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Yo, hey everyone, welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is one of London's leading fitness trainers. She is an absolute powerhouse and she is no stranger to taking on both mental and physical challenges. She's a motivational speaker, online host, and you may have watched her incredible resilience on the popular Channel 4 show, SAS Who Dares Wins. Welcome to the studio, Esme Gummer. Thank you very much. That was like the best intro ever. Yeah? I was sitting there like posing to everything you're saying. I mean, I feel like you are unstoppable fearless badass I'm so happy to have you here and I feel like the listeners are going to be so pumped and motivated and inspired after this episode I actually hope so now as well yeah get ready get ready let me know all right so well let's kick it off with a very big question so for anyone listening to this episode who might not know you who you are your story your journey could you please share with us the story of how essentially you went from being once paralysed to now running ultra marathons. Mm, yeah, and when you put it like that, it sounds like it was very easy. Um, that was actually 10 years ago, um, which, wow, I think I'm going up to 11 years this year, which actually when I say that, it feels like a completely different life. And even when you're saying then, not walking to ultra marathon, it just sounds like two different people even for me. Um, but yeah, grew up as a dancer. That was my passion. So always wanted to be a dancer, even to the point I remember being in school and the teacher saying, well, what are you going to do if you can't dance? And I'll be like, I can, I will. And it's actually weird that she said that. I remember being at um, a parents' evening and I was horrible in school. I didn't do my work. I was very academic, but I weren't bothered. And I remember only caring about dance. And my dance teacher said in front of my mum in parents' evening, what are you going to do if you break your back? And I think she'd been injured, actually, in the past, and it had ruined her sort of, you know, dreams. And I remember sitting there being like, I won't. I mean, and it's very, who it was rare. Yeah, and you're yeah. 15 years old and you're just a bit of a brat. So I was like, I won't. And it is mad because I always remember that, always. And that was a massive lesson, obviously. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was always dance. I was always going to be a dancer, performer. That was it for me. Um and then six weeks before I was due to start dance college, I had a hernia, just in my groin, small hernia, and I went to get it repaired and unfortunately came out of the operation. I wasn't able to walk, so I was paralysed waist down. How old were you? Um, 18, 18, just by a month. That's, like, crucial because had it been a month sooner, I would have been on the children's ward. So wow. actually, because I was 18, I was put on the adult's ward, so it was visiting hours. But if it had been a month sooner... It would have been 24 hour with my parents. So um, that's, I always look at that. That means when people say, How old were you? I think 18, but just. Because mm. don't 17 sound so much younger? Mm. 18, you think you got it together. But it was a month, you know. So um, 
yeah, but mental that, you know, I was on the adult ward because I don't know if I would have, you know, come out the way I did. My sure. parents left at 9pm every night and came back 9am the next morning. So that's 12 hours alone, you know. So, yeah, madness there. So, th- so after the surgery, you should have been routine, should have been fine, should have been yeah. simple, but you were paralysed from the waist down. Did they yeah. give you, you know, did they give you a cause? Did they say how quickly did they expect you to, to recover? What was the kind of out verdict then? It was just really um, hard, to be honest, because they hadn't actually seen it. Because what happened was I was seizuring in theatre. So they brought me around and I was in the recovery room seizuring. And they don't know if it was because of the anti-sickness drugs or the anaesthetic. And my mum, they brought my mum in and she said, you are surrounded by anaesthetists where they were actually saying, come look at this. I've never seen this before. So anaesthetists were actually coming in the room, surrounding my bed, just not just to watch. They obviously were trying to do stuff, but they were just, you know, they just couldn't believe it. And um, they sedated me so much. My mum said they were like putting, you know, sedation into my stomach, left, right, centre. And you just don't know. Could it have been, you know, the reaction to the anaesthetic, reaction to the anti-sickness drugs, the sedation? You don't know what Something it was. Something went wrong. There was um, talk of it being a stroke. They didn't know if I'd had a stroke in surgery. Uh, they didn't know if this, I'd just seizured and then damaged my spinal cord. There was a lot mm. of talk. And you'd never had a seizure before? No, no. nothing like this. And I had to, uh, I weren't allowed to do anything for a week until they'd done all the like relevant scans, like brain scans, you know, MRI scans, everything like that. And they just don't know. It's like, as rubbish as it sounds, it was like it was a one in a million chance and it happened. And I signed it to say I'm aware that I could have a reaction from the drugs you're going to give me. Mm. And, you know, you don't... I look back at that moment now because I went on my own. Um, my parents had, like, split up about a week before. Um, it was really, really weird time, like, you know, massive for our family. And I just remember thinking... I don't want to stress them out. It's a day operation. My granddad dropped me off and my mum was going to come pick me up after work. So I was trying to keep it chill for everyone. I'm sitting in like this room on my own just signing this paperwork. Mm. And you just, in that moment, you just have no idea you're signing something that's mm. going to change your life forever. I mean, yeah, I can really relate to that as me. I've had to sign yeah. that on behalf of my husband once. And, you know, in the moment, actually, you don't actually have an alternative either, depending on, you know, what's happening at the time. You might not have an alternative, but you have to sign it. And, and I guess maybe you just think, you know, it's like anything. You go to the dentist, they might say, oh, can you sign this before we give you an anaesthetic? You just sign it because yeah. it's like, of course. Because you're going to do it. Yeah, you have you're to You're going to have the operation. Yeah, but yeah. you have to take the responsibility or the kind of... But you don't really know what mm. the responsibility is when, mm. you, when you do that. Gosh. And, and yeah, also as a parent listening to this, my gosh, what your parents must mm. have been... You know, it's absolutely terrifying mm. to, to see your child ill or suffering, but to not have any answers. I think that's the most mm. scary bit. It's like causation for me. If something has cause and effect, I'm a rational person. I can take sure. that on. But when someone goes oh, we don't really know, and it's very rare risk, or, you know, once in a blue moon, like you said, mm. but it happens. Yeah. So where do you go from there? Yeah, and I think like that was the, the, the big point I made about 17 and then 18. Like, I became an adult. I did, I really did in that moment because I couldn't bear the thought of my parents worrying about me. I couldn't bear it. I literally thought, if they leave here at 9 o'clock, go home and they're laying in bed feeling sick about the four you know if I was a lot younger you don't rationalise like that but I was old enough to think this is going to hurt so I remember when they come in I was in high spirit I don't know if this is where it all started for me I don't know if this was my breakthrough but I would make sure they didn't think I was suffering I didn't cry in front of them I didn't complain I would laugh about situations they'd take me outside in a wheelchair and you know I would just be happy and 
I would go into physio on my own and deal with it on my own. And um, for me, that was my motivation was my parents because there was nothing they could do. It was completely out of their hands. So, you know, worry is a waste of imagination and that's all they would have been doing. And I just couldn't bear the thought of adding to it. Mm, wow. I mean, yeah. the fact you had that, you know, that awareness and that insight to be able to do that, mm. you know, at such a young age. And there's a couple of things I'm thinking as you're talking then. One is that, you know, we know the mind is incredibly powerful mm. and there's so much science-based evidence talking around, you know, negative, positive, neutral thinking. And I don't know, it just strikes me that, you know, do you think that in a way that helped and aided with your recovery? You know, if, if you know, we've told before about how powerful hope is and the fact that if someone is told there's absolutely no hope, no way, you know, and if your energy's down, your negative thinking, all of that, you, your body re responds and equally in the other way, you know, do you think that did help you to recover? Do you know what? I'm going to be so real with this here because I'd love to like sell the dream and be like oh if you're really positive then amazing things will happen and your mindset you know changes everything but on a real with this yeah 100% my positivity and pushing through and putting on a brave face got me through it 100% however it comes at a price it's not gone you've got to pay that back and that's with everything in life we can put on brave faces and fight and be positive and of course I believe, you know, I will preach about it every single day that, you know, what you think and what you believe and feel you can make happen for, you know, for real for yourself. But it comes at a cost. You can't not deal with it after. And that's where I learned that a lot. I became numb through that experience where I was so positive and pushing and I'm going to get through this and I'm amazing and I will walk again and the universe has got my side. Ask for it, believe it, receive it, live it. But two months later, after I got out, like I said, you have to pay that back. You have mm. to pay back the sort of money you borrowed, you know, the mm. currency of positivity that you borrowed. And I definitely fe felt this, like, numbness where you say things, you know, like, oh, you're positive and you're this and you're that. It got to a point where I couldn't feel bad things or fear or worry because I'd almost, like, numbed it out. And I thought that was positive. I thought I was so tough. Later in life, I'm talking like maybe seven, eight years later, mm. then I dealt with it. Mm, that's interesting because we yeah. need the human experience, right? We need both. You know, you mm. experience the good, the bad, everything in between. And that's it. Every emotion is valuable. If you're feeling fear, if you're feeling, you know, anxiety, stress, these things in, from a physical and chemical perspective, they do actually serve a purpose. Mm. So as you said, I guess if you're kind of numb to that and you're like your mind is shifted into one gear and one gear only, yeah. it's not you're also smart, so it's not reality. Mm, of course, and that is the thing with it. I'm a firm believer, like I said, of you know being positive and pushing yourself and believing you can do things, mm. but making sure now I know that afterwards you still deal with the emotions that didn't come up during that because they are there. Yeah, you know, I like was dealing. I was grieving. I had. I was dealing with loss. I was, you know, I lost my dance college place. I lost the life that I had planned out. I lost confidence in myself, security in myself. I. You know, I was so scared I was going to fall over or it's going to happen again. And I had fear all in me. But I think where I had this positive approach and like I'd won in a way, I walked again, I'd won. I numbed all of that out mm. and it was always going to come back. And um, that's why, you know, I encourage people all the time now, you know, be positive, but also take time to feel the other things that are there. And that's what people don't do a lot of. And that's why it comes back when, you know, in times that they least expect it. That's where I think panic attacks come from mm. and anxiety attacks come from 
places that haven't been dealt with. Squashing it down, yeah, you can yeah. only squash it down for so long. And I guess, you know, I mean, going through, you went through the process with physiotherapy. And mm. as you said, you did, you walked again. But like, you know, after that, you had fear of, you know, things happening to you again, physically, you know, how else did you, I guess... I guess kind of rebuild your sense of identity because as you said mm. you're going to be a dancer and then that changed and then you know where did you did anyone help and support you and guide you or did you just kind of figure it out I think like like I said my parents have broke up um, you know from a marriage and a fa- we had a family of six and they'd um, split up a week before it happened so I obviously came out three weeks after the, you know the accident happened and I was living in a whole new reality I was learning to walk again and learning to move again and learning to do all the things I did before. I also wasn't going dance college. I didn't have a job to go to, anything like that. And my parents weren't together. I've got a brother with special needs and I had a younger sister who was 11 years old. My older sister was at university. It was a whole new reality for me. And I think, yeah, it, um, to get through that was, I suppose I did have to do a lot of it on my own. And it's not that I didn't have people around me because I absolutely did. But again, it comes down to me. And it came down to me not wanting help. I didn't want to disturb my mum, disturb my dad. Disturb. I just wanted to get through it. And like I said, there was a really dark patch that I went through and I just felt horrendous. Um, and I felt a lot of resentment. It's the first time in my life I'd felt resentment in a really horrendous way. Mm. My mum like, raised me very well, um, you know, to be competitive and, you know, to have jealousy, but in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And she was very good at that. So I never really felt like the evilness of resentment or the poison of it. And I did. Right. Like I hated my friends who were at dance college. But I mean, like, sickening. Right. Like I hated them to the core. I couldn't go on Facebook and see their photos they're uploading and their new friends they'd made at college and things like that. And that took a while. And I'm so glad I went through that. So glad because I couldn't feel that ever again now. I like almost got out of my system. Mm, that's interesting because so, yeah. the injustice, I guess, is maybe at that time you're thinking, well, yeah, it's unfair. Yeah. Why me? I didn't do anything I to cause the this, deserve this. But why do you say, it's so interesting, why do you say that you, you're glad that you felt that? I just think like a lot of things I say, and it sounds a bit sadistic, but when I've gone through really hellish things, I'm glad they've happened because I almost feel sorry for people who haven't felt that because they're never going to know and never going to grow. And I just think, because I felt resentment to the point where it sickened me, I will never go back to that place again. Like, thank God. And I'm like 28 now. Thank God I got rid of it then. I don't want to be 40 years old, 50 years old, feeling that what I felt, because, you know, I want to be, you know, wiser by then. So I I suppose, again, it goes back to that growing up quick, like quickly bit. You know, at 18, I'd felt a lot of things that people won't feel for a lifetime. And I'm so lucky mm-hmm. and happy because I know, you know, it's given me compassion and it's given me empathy and it's helped me look into situations and actually look at people and identify that they are probably going through something similar. So I just feel blessed to have gone through some really bad times. Wow. Yeah, so many lessons in there. So I don't many. know if you've ever heard of the Iron Cowboy, but he talks yeah. about wishing for everyone to, fu- to to face rock bottom. Yeah. And it's like a strange thing where he says, you know, when you face rock bottom, there's only one way to go. Yeah. You know, there's only one way. So when people talk about, oh, you're so strong, or oh, you've overcome this, or you're, it's like it's out of necessity, you mm. know? And it's like, for, as you just described, for a lot of people, although in a way it's like, oh, I wouldn't wish this on them, but actually you would because you yeah. learn so much from times, challenging times out of necessity. And without those challenges, you know, it's so easy to kind of, I guess, stay in our comfort zone, coast through this kind of middle, this middle feeling where we don't, you know, 
have to be, I guess, really challenged. Not challenged yeah. in a way of like, you know, challenge yourself. It really challenged. Like I'm talking, you know, as you said, hellish pain, pain you yeah. know, uns- uns- suffering. But yeah. from it, I don't know anyone who's who's suffered anything like that and not said, you know what? Thank God I did. Yeah. Because look at who I am, where I am, Absolutely. my life today, and the view on the on the world. It's almost like it takes off those blockers, those those sunglasses, those kind of the blindfold that many people live their life wearing. Yeah. It just rips that off, and suddenly your eyes are wide open yeah. to life, to experiences, to gratitude in a different way. You know, people talk about gratitude a lot now. Yeah. There's gratitude, and then there's gratitude. You know, it's like your yeah, eyes like are fear, wide open. Yeah. yeah. And okay, this is the thing. So you said like you know from paralyzed to running up marathon and that's exactly it the reason I am where I am today is because I went through that and this is how I then got into fitness because I made it my mission that every person should feel how I felt and I can do that through exercise I have the opportunity to give people the feeling of you know insecurity being vulnerable out of their comfort zone in pain through an exercise. An exercise as simple as a plank. I can make people feel insecure, vulnerable, you know, at rock bottom with a plank. And this is the thing, exactly what you said. People don't choose to, right? We're so spoiled in this day and age that we live in that we don't need to face adversity every day anymore. You know, my great-grandma faced adversity every day because she had... I mean, millions of kids, she's a crazy woman. Mm-hmm. And she would work in free jobs and she was a single parent because, you know, my grandfather died in the war and she never met anyone. She raised her family on her own. She faced adversity every day just to bath them, clean them, give them food, right, every day. We live in a time where we don't need to face adversity. Mm-hmm. And when it does come, oh, my God, we're not prepared. I look at my, the generation of my younger sister, she's 21, and I think she is living in a generation where they don't face much adversity, and when it does come, they don't really know what to do. And that's where exercise became my passion and became my life because I was like, OK, I've got the opportunity to put people in a state of adver- adversity every single day by using a simple plank or a sprint or lifting a weight they've never lifted and that's where for me fitness is I don't care about body image I don't care about six packs I don't care about that science will give you a six pack if you work out and eat well to the average person for me exercise is mindset it's about how can I be this person in my workout and then translate it to being that person outside my workout if I can hold a plank for 10 seconds longer this week, then I can go and approach my boss for 10 seconds longer outside mm-hmm. of my workout. You know, so for me, it's always about translating it. And this is how, from being paralysed to doing what I'm doing now, this is where the passion came from. It was, I've been put there, not out of choice. So let me do the hard, horrible bit and let me teach you what I learn and help you get through a workout, meaning you can hopefully then get through things outside the studio. Absolutely love that. Honestly, I am sitting here, you're preaching my language and I just feel, honestly, I hope that people can feel it, you know, Mm. like you hear it, I hope they can feel it because it's so true. Mm. And as you said, you know, putting yourself in discomfort through lifting a heavy weight or taking on that sprint or, you know, pushing yourself to run 10 more minutes than you think you can, not 10 more seconds, 10 more minutes. The thing about it for me is I often say to people, when you... The mind and the body, like the feedback loop goes both ways, right? So when you're running and you're telling your mind that you can endure, 
You can mm. endure. Mm. You can endure. You can endure. So as you said, when there's a challenge that comes up, maybe not a physical challenge, mentally, you know you can endure. You've done it before. You can do it again. Yeah. So that's what I often say. You know, I talk about running a lot. I know people know me for that, but it's just you can apply these things. It's not just a, you know, motivational Pinterest quote. It's <laughs> real. You feel it, you know? Amazing. Mm. All right. So let's talk. I mentioned in the intro that you were on SAS Who Dares Wins. Yeah. You were incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Firstly, were you prepared? Because I feel like now the show, maybe it's just more, maybe just I'm more aware of it. Mm. But when you were on the show, were you prepared? Were you aware? Did you know what you were going into? And the second part of the question is, what did you learn about yourself during that process? So in terms of being prepared, it's impossible to be. I think in your head, before you go, you think I am as prepared as I can be, but you get there and it all goes out the window because there is no possible way to prepare yourself for what, happens in there like because it's a tv show it's very hard as a viewer to understand that it's minute on the minute every single day like there's no such thing as time and there's no such thing as a day anymore okay so we don't have days it's just hours by hours by hours by hours your day is 24 hours it's not like you're gonna sleep and then wake up it just is what it is you get about three hours sleep in that time wherever that might be and whatever time of day it might be you get fed at whatever time they want to feed you and you have no idea what's going to happen. I think because it's a TV show, you under the illusion that they go, OK, in five hours we're going to meet here and you're going to jump into freezing cold water, so we'll meet you there, you know, get yourself ready, have a little nap, have a snack, and we'll meet you there. It's not. You know, you can be laying in bed and an hour later you're under freezing cold water. And so in terms of preparation, nah. You, you're sleep-deprived, food-deprived, and your anxiety is through the roof. So that's the preparation side of it. What I learned from it massively was about living in the minute and I am um, it's like what you said earlier about Pinterest quotes like I hate all the cheesiness of like live like for the moment and all of that and you see it and I'm like oh yeah it's just cheesy and I preach it I say to people live for the moment live it but I actually lived in the minute for the first time in my life I thought I was doing it already I won't and what I mean by that is we have a schedule so Right now, you and I have a schedule just in our head. We know we're going to be here, and then I'm going to go off there, I'm going to do this, and I'll go and have dinner, I'll probably get to bed at this time. We had our schedules wiped in there. So our only choice and option was to trust. Just trust in what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Trust in the minute. And like I said, you could be one minute you're laying down, the next minute you're outside doing burpees in the freezing cold. So one thing I took from it was I would wake up every day before I went there and my schedule would run through my head the minute I opened my eyes and we'd probably all do this and you're like, right, I'm going to wake up, go to there, go to work, do that meeting, but I'm going to get into bed at nine o'clock tonight. And we wish our day away. Mm. Like how often do we wake up and go, I can't wait to get back into bed tonight, I'm so tired. And you almost say, like, I'm going to get through the day. Yeah. And you do. You, I, I used to do it a lot before I see us. I'd wake up in the morning, the first thought would be, can't wait to get back into bed. So tired, get through it. And you reel off your schedule. Since coming back from there, I wake up and whatever is in front of me in that minute is in front of me. So, like, if I'm brushing my teeth, I'm brushing my teeth. It does not matter that I'm going to get the train at nine o'clock because I'm going to get it. Mm. It does not matter if I've got dinner plans at 6 p.m. because 6 p.m. is going to come along, hopefully, because it might not. But in, you know, ordinary circumstances, six o'clock's coming, so why worry? I used to always as well say I was here with you, but I knew I had a big meeting later. I'd be here with you, but thinking of the meeting. Mm. I don't do that anymore. So I think one of the biggest things I learned in there was to truly 
live in the minute and delete my schedule mentally because my schedule's there. Mm. I don't have to think. My schedule's yeah. written down, so why am I thinking about my schedule in my day mm. it's there and I guess you didn't have that option because what I'm no. thinking when you're saying that is about control so mm. a lot of it for me you know I like to plan I like to go okay I'm going to do this as you said do that we all have a schedule whatever that looks like yeah. but for me I think the element of the unknown when you said about feeling anxious that that's what would make you feel anxious because you don't know as you said when you're going to eat or you know and that as you said about us being spoiled we are we live yeah. in this abundance you know it's like if you're hungry grab a snack yeah. take something in your bag you know if you don't want to cook get that deliveroo you know you can get 24 hours yeah. food and even even down to the basic things like you know I was talking to my son the other day around you know food waste and trying to encourage you know him to think deeper not to say to him don't waste food like yeah. what does that mean understand so, yeah. food waste yeah and I kind of gave him this example which I thought was really powerful around a carrot and it sounds basic but I basically said to him okay if we cook say for example 10 carrots and you don't eat them all and you put them in the bin or you put one in the bin just one let's think about how long it took if I said to you can you go and you know grow another carrot so it's mm. like you might plant the thing you might water the soil. You've got to wait for the sun. The yeah. sun's got to grow. Da, 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 da. Month. It might be however long. I mean, you get that one carrot. You're going to wash it. You're going to peel it. You're going to prep it. And then I'm just going to throw it in the bin. Yeah. You know, it's like that thing of like, look at all the energy, the water, the thing yeah. that's taken to create something. But now, even when it comes to things like baking bread, making a cake, back in the day, it might take you half an hour, you know, do the thing, knead the bread, put it in the fridge, do the yeah. thing. Now it's like instant, instant, instant. Just grab it off the shelf. If, it go, if, it, if you don't eat it, chuck it in the bin, yeah. you know? So I think I'm going off on a tangent now. No, it's a metaphor. The carrot is a metaphor. Yeah, random. But I think my point is that it's this element of, A, we know we can get things really quickly, really instantly. It's like this, um, you know, really fast culture, fast, 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 throw away. Secondly, it's that thing of control, knowing that you can always get it. So I think that's what would freak me out as somebody who eats a lot when you were saying (laughs) you don't know when they're going to feed you. That would freak me out because I know I'd be thinking, like, I'm hungry. Okay, there's hunger, then there's hunger and then, then there's, there's need I'm it. feeling ill yeah. yeah and I think I would really struggle with the idea that okay sleep deprivation I'm a parent I feel mm. like mm, maybe you know I'm sure it, <laughs> I'm sure it gets you and I'm sure you suffer but yeah the physical training not knowing what's coming mm. not knowing as well I mean these things weren't optional right you can't opt out no. so yeah, yeah I mean you just yeah in terms of that if you go you go you make that choice you go and you leave and you go home and other than that you do everything that's your option. Go home. So the option out is to kind of surrender and say, number. you hand in the number and it's not like a failure, but essentially it's you saying, I'm done. I'm I've done. hit my breaking point. And did you think about handing in that number? To be honest with you, no. And the 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 main thing for me about that, um, and it, it it's a shame that really you can't watch my journey on there because obviously it is a TV show and, you know, it's edited to show like, you know, everybody says there's a lot of us in there and things like that. And my journey was, you know, pretty quiet. I did get very far through the process. Um, however, in terms of that, in terms of the TV show, for me, it was my journey and I, you know, I really loved the journey I had. And my point of going on there as well was I wanted to be broken. And it sounds, again, sadistic, but I don't know my breaking point and it is quite alarming. And I'll tell you a story, um, what happened recently, where it did get alarming outside of SAS, but I don't know my breaking point. I got sent home. And the reason I got sent home was because, um, just in case anyone hasn't watched the show, um, you're carrying a Bergen on your back, massive rucksack. It's 23 kilos um, all the time. I am five foot one and I weighed 50 kilos in there. So we're talking nearly half my body weight on my back. There was nine of us left and 
I'm going to the tallest person, six foot four, 100 kilos, carrying 23 kilos on his back. So it's all about equality, understand. But when we go through like ratio and getting scientific with it, when Ant Middleton says, Esme, James, race to the top of that mountain, you've got a six foot four guy, 100 kilos with 23 kilos on his back, racing a five foot one, you know. In terms of my mental state, I was 100. I was 100. In terms of physicality, there's no way I was going to beat him up there scientifically. I'm carrying half a body weight. He's carrying a quarter. Mm. And that's where it came down to, yeah. unfortunately for me, was I was the last one to the top of the mountain. And the saddest thing about it is I, I was given my everything. Mm. And if it was based on effort and, you know, how hard you were trying and what you were going through to get there, I would have been at the front, mm. you know, if we could base it on that. Um, so for me, I feel like my journey on SAS, I didn't get to my breaking point. I didn't get to the point where I was like, I'm done. You're going to quit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so it left me leaving there going, I still don't know it. Mm. So that was the sort of devastating thing for me because, you know, science yeah, played a physical, part. Yeah, yeah, it was a physical It played thing. a massive part in it because yeah. I got to day nine from just, you know, my mental state because mm. I was the smallest and I mean the smallest. Yep. Like, I finally carried an 85 kilo man. Like I did everything I was told to do. I never once quit. So for me, it was really hard. It was a hard blow to, to mm. you know, really hard in that moment when he sent me home because I thought I've done everything to keep up with them and I still got to the top of the mountain. Yeah, but that's why you can be proud of me because you fought yeah. to the end. You know, you didn't quit. Your mind was strong. Your body was strong. You did everything they asked of you. And as you said, you know, it is what it is. Mm. But you know, you can be proud that you gave your 100. You know, yeah, you don't have to sure. go away and think, oh, you know what? I wish I'd done more. You yeah. did it. And that's where like your ego does like completely like just put, get, you put your ego to the side. Like for me, people watching TV show and you're seeing all these people talking about other people. Oh my God, they're so amazing. They're so strong. They're so this. And for me, you lose your ego with it all. You're just like, I know my story. I know what happened in there um, for me. And I felt good about my journey. And in a way, I'm kind of glad it wasn't showcased like how they wanted to showcase it because I knew my story. Mm -hmm. And that was nice for me to be able to keep that as like my truth. Yeah. So yeah. it was good. Well, you were amazing. And I think anybody Thank who watches you. those shows, it's so, you know, you can't even imagine, as you said, you're at home, you're comfortable. I know. You know, you're on your sofa, you might have a little snack. You can watch it and go, wow, that looks hard. No yeah. idea. You know, I've got other I friends did that. have done it, you yeah. know, and it's it's crazy. Yeah. So now, you know, there's no stopping you. You'd feel like, you know, you've, you've had to face so many things. <laughs> Why aren't you just going to put your feet up? You know, chill out. But you're doing ultra marathons. Yeah. So was that kind of a part of this? You know, I want to know my breaking point. How did you, why did you say, right, okay, the next challenge is going to be an endurance race? So for me, I only realise more recently why I've been doing these crazy, stupid challenges. At the time when I was doing them, I was saying yes to them and then people were asking, why do you do it? And I just kind of just answer like very vaguely, like I hadn't really thought about it. And then I came to the realisation, I was um, speaking to someone and they asked and it genuinely came out of my mouth and I just said, because I can. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I was like, like, is that it? You can do it? And I said exactly that. Like, I can do it. And until it gets to the day that someone offers me a challenge, an opportunity that I have to say no, I will say yes. Because the saddest thing is, this is the saddest thing about it, and it's the truth, one day we're going to have to say no. And we're going to have to say no to the things that were actually on our doorstep and then, you know, on our fingertips. And we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh my God, I could have done that 10 times over and now I can't even do it once. And that's where one part of my motivation comes from. I know what it's like to not be able to do something, so why the hell would I say no? And if someone says, do you want to run a marathon? 
not really but yeah I can so why would I not and that's where the sort of marathon started for me was I got offered a marathon spot by twice the health girls they said will you join our team and run the marathon I sat on the sofa I looked at it and I thought you can it's going to be horrendous I hadn't run for six years after being paralyzed because I had a problem with uh, one of my legs it used to just go dead while I was running so I gave up on running for six years and I loved running before and I thought, yeah, I've been running, I think, for six months. And they asked me if I wanted to run a marathon, which was in about eight months' time. And I just remember, no, it wasn't. It was in four months. It was in December. Marathon's April. And I remember looking at my phone and I just put, yeah. I try. I actually, do you know what the worst thing is? I actually tried to find a reason, an excuse to say no to them. I sat thinking, right, what could I say? I could say, like, oh, I've only been running for six months since I, you know, was paralysed, so probably not. Or maybe I'll say, like, oh, you know, April's a busy month for me in terms of... There was no reason for me not to do it. So that's where it came from. Um, this is the most important thing. There are people out there that can't. Right now, there are people listening to this right now who can't do something. So do it for them. I have people in my life that can't. My brother's not very well. He has heart problems. There are a million things that he wishes he could do that he can't. So why would I not? Um, so my motivation comes from others, being able to do it for them. Um, but, yeah, mainly if you can say yes to it... Mm. Just say it. Just say it. Because one day, and it hurts me even to say it now, we're going to have to say no, both of us sitting there, yep. anyone listening. And it could be circumstance, injury, age. Like, one day we're going to have to say no, and it's going to hurt. Yep. So bad. Yep. I am hear you. I hear you. And today, I've said this before, as you just said, one day you won't be able to, but today is not that yeah. day. So don't put it off as well. Because the other yeah. thing is people go, oh, well, I will. Next year. Yeah, tomorrow. next year. It or is like, next oh, year. Yeah, or not, not today <laughs> yeah. or tomorrow. You know, I'm busy. Yeah. And as you said, it's kind of like one day, It's if you can... Yeah, do it. You're not going to regret it. You're probably going to learn loads. You're going to have, you know, but you know, all the things that we talk about. You know, like the experience, meeting new people, motivating others. Yeah. I think you don't even need to figure out initially why. Yeah, just start. Yeah, and it's like one of the biggest like things that I have learned is nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something, and it's like anyone sitting listening to this right now, there is something you can do. You can't do everything but there is something you can do. You might not be able to climb a mountain, but you can go for a walk. You might not be able to run a marathon right now, but you can start with 5K. You know, mm. and it's it's that concept of there's too many people sitting there putting other people on a pedestal and watching them do it saying, yeah, but... Mm. Don't underestimate. Yeah, but, yeah don't yeah. underestimate yourself. And that is the biggest thing for me. Stop yeah, butting people. Like, one of the biggest things I say to people if I go and do speeches... And I go in and I say, the first thing I want to say to you is don't yeah but me while I'm speaking to you today. Because I don't know everything. I have not, anything I'm talking about now, I speak to, you know, people in speeches or in my classes or on panels or pocket, whatever it is. I'm not saying I know everything. I'm just saying what I know. And I'm sharing it with you. And the biggest thing that I think we do every day is yeah but people. So you could say something now and be like, oh, yeah, so like I went for a 5K run somewhere. But yeah, but you're a really good runner. Or like... You know, like people say, um, yeah, but they've come from a wealthy background. Yeah, but they've got a support system. Yeah, but they've got a partner. Yeah, but they don't have kids. Yeah, but... And mm -hmm. we do it every single day. We're good with it every... Yeah, but stop yeah butting people because you have no idea what they've come from to get to that 5K or get to that partner they've got or get to the wealth that they're... You have no idea. Um, 
that's a massive thing for me is people are sitting there every day putting people on pedestals saying, yeah, but they have got this, that and that. You have no idea. So start with you. Stop worrying about other people. Mind your own business. Mind Stay your in business. your lane. You know, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 13. Just start with you. What can you do? What can you say yes to? And just do it. Absolutely. This, You see, I told you it's going to be gold. I told you, if you ain't feeling motivated after this, I don't know what you're doing because this is the gold. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, Esme, let's talk about the power hour as this is the show. Yeah, yeah. So, you probably know my power hour, right? Mm-hmm. I'm an early bird. I'm telling people to get up and get after it. So, I'd love to know do you have a morning routine? I'm sure you do. What does it involve and what time does it start? So for me, it's, um, I mean, it's probably similar to you as well in terms of like one day I might be up at one time and then enough time depending on when I'm working, if I've got early clients, if I've not. Um, and actually, interestingly, there was your podcast that you were talking about the questions that you ask yourself in the morning, the six questions that you ask yourself in the morning. And when I heard you say that and you were like, oh, yeah, I do these six questions and I answer them, it's mad because I think we all in a weird way, do that in our own way. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? So whether you're getting out a pen and paper and writing them out and doing it, every morning I feel like we have a script. Mm-hmm. And the script that I was talking about earlier, which is the one of, oh, I can't wait to go back to bed later. You know, that script. My script, my day always starts with, today is not a chore, it's a gift. The minute you can get into that frame of mind, everything you do from that moment, you start seeing the beauty in it. Like... People see things as chores, like making the bed. Oh, I've got to make the bed. No, it's not a chore. It's a gift because you've got a bed to sleep in. Oh, I've got to go to work. Thank God you've got a job. Oh, I've got to make breakfast and clean the dishes afterwards. Thank God you can afford food. So my day always starts with that that first instinct that I say when I wake up, today's not a chore, it's a gift. And I think what I'm about to do, because you know when you have those mornings where you wake up, you're like, what day is it? Yep. What, time is it? what am I doing? And then you forget. And then, so I all, the first thing I do is come to terms with the day. So I wake up, where am I? What am I about to do? How lucky am I? And it's like what you were saying earlier about gratitude. Gratitude is medicine. And, you know, saying, feeling gratitude, that's the difference. So for me, people are being grateful by going, oh, thank you for my job and thank you for my food and thank you, but you've got to feel it. So for me, the first thing I do in the morning is feel grateful for what I am about to do. Like, feel it. Not just go, oh, I'm so grateful I'm about to go and train my PT. Feel the the gratitude of there's someone waiting for me that's willing to, you know, pay me to, to share my professional, you know, training with them and my words that I have to say they want to hear. Like, how lucky is that? So, yeah, I think for me... Um, it always starts with, you know, opening my eyes and getting my head into the right frame of mind because it can change hmm. your whole day if mm-hmm. you wake up and don't do that. You know, you can wake up so miserable. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, what I do, I suppose 
it's so different every day. I suppose I always have, have that. I get out of bed. Make Is there anything you avoid? Is there anything you say, okay, first thing, you know, you said you're getting your mind in the game. So you're yeah. consciously deciding, okay, I'm going to feel grateful. I'm going to feel excited about what I'm doing today. Yeah. I'm going to look forward to it. I'm going to get my head in the game to get that energy, which is why you're such a beam of energy. So is there anything that you avoid that you know is going to kind of knock you off of that? Um, reaching for my phone has been like a new one for me. Um, I When I was working, I was working full time. I was um, head of fitness, so I managed a whole team of instructors. From the minute I woke up, it would be phone because it would be like, is every instructor in the gym, in their classes? Has the gym open? Is everything going ahead? Has an instructor turned up? Is every... And I would reach for my phone and honestly, my heart would race. I was so scared to turn my phone over and see it all. And I learned a lot from that because a lot of anxiety came from that and mm. like fatigue and exhaustion came just from that turning of my phone. So one of the things I try and do in the morning is not look at my phone. Mm-hmm. I try and get up and just spend five, ten minutes like getting up and doing the bits that I need to do and then look at it. So I suppose that's something I try and avoid. Another thing, though, as well is... We've all had it, right, when you have those mornings where you get up and you actually just do not want to be awake in that day or, like, present in that... Or, like, I don't want to sound, like, deep with this, but just exist in that day. And it's a feeling that I hope um, more people get but maybe don't admit it because otherwise I'd be worried to think that... Okay, because I think this is something... This is really important for me to share... Because when you say to me, you're this beam of energy and you're positive and you're this, um, I've got to make it clear that when I say I wake up and I go through this process and I'm grateful for what I've got and all of this, it doesn't mean that I don't feel rubbish. It doesn't mean that I don't wake up some days just thinking, I can't be bothered. I don't want to do today. I don't want to see that person. I don't want to be me. I don't want to be me in my body doing this. The reason I do these things is because it's, it's habits and it's tools that I've put in place to make sure I don't stay feeling bad all day. And sorry if this is going off topic, but I do think it's got a lot to do with that power hour of we can look at people and think, again, oh, it's all right for them because they're just really happy. They're naturally really positive. They've got a really good life. And a story that I always share is my best friend growing up, she... She is the happiest, smiliest, most joyful person to be around. And if you met her now and she came into the room, you'd be like, oh, my God, she's just so funny and fun and energetic. And she's got two kids and she's got a husband and she's, her laugh is infectious and she's amazing. Now, my friend, when we were 17, she lost her mum suddenly, her dad and then her older brother. So by the time we were 21, she'd lost her mum, dad and older brother. And you would let her be you you would give her every right to hate life to not get up to not go seize the day to not raise a family of kids to not go to work you'd give her every right if you went she's given up at life oh why well she lost her mum dad and brother fair we'd give her every right however she is one of the happiest most joyful people in my life the reason she is like this is because she practices every day that it's a choice. She, it's a choice. Mm. She puts in daily habits and tools. She knows that if she starts feeling this, doing that, be proactive. She lost her family, so she created a new family. She lost the ability to celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day, so now she celebrates Father's Day with her husband, who is now the dad. She has found a way to celebrate and to change the feelings of feeling negative and useless and not wanting to exist. Mm. And I think... 
it's so important that people know that because like it's the same with you I could look at you uh, you know people listen to this podcast look at you oh yeah she's just full of life she's so motivated to run and she's so motivated and you know she's got you know her son and her life is just brilliant and beautiful and beaming it's because you choose to do it and I think we need to make it clear and if you're listening right now and you are someone that you know is categorized the same way that us two are if you're listening right now you need to take a moment to understand that you are making a choice to be happy and never to feel guilty for being happy and never feel categorized where people are going oh it's all right for you and you're so lucky it's not luck so it's one one sort of group of people I want to speak to right now are the people that are known as the positive happy friend like I want to speak to you and say I know you were choosing to do that and you work on being that and it hurts and you're not exempt so much you're not no. exempt as you just said no. about, about me you know that's the what I hope people will understand is that no one is exempt and yes I do hope to you know you know have big ambition you know mm. and like you said I do these practices these these behaviors these habits to get myself in the mindset that I want to live my life in to mm. create an extraordinary life but it is you know a practice and a, yeah. and, and a choice every single day but I'm not exempt from adversity of course we all are we all have things that we have to face we all have failures we all have rejections we all make mistakes we all have things that you know what sometimes as well I think in the world now it's almost like because we might share things on Instagram or do stories or or host a podcast or people maybe think that they do know everything when mm. actually as you said you know if you're that happy motivated beaming all of that for other people doesn't mean that a that's a hundred percent of the time and you can never be down or you can never feel you know how you feel I think I have sometimes moments where I'm like you know what you're allowed to feel like this instead of just pretending or faking it or whatever just feel it mm. for the rest of the day or for, for I don't know for an hour just feel it just allow yeah. as I said all these different human emotions whether it's envy whether it's anger whether it's sadness whether it's rejection feel the feeling don't Absolutely. squash it don't ignore it and go yeah but actually I'm going to be grateful I'm going to be happy you can be all of those things they're not they're not mutually exclusive you yeah. know I can be grateful and happy for what I've got while still striving for more you know yeah. I think it's really brilliant actually that you did bring that up because I'm sure there's lots of people we're all guilty of it sometimes of going oh my gosh you know that guy that girl is absolutely wicked they've got, they've got it all going on like it must be great to be them yeah but we never lucky know and, yeah yeah and blessed and I think as well like another question sort of like posed me is um oh you you seem really happy and positive and you know great all the time do you ever have down days and when people ask me that question I get it quite a lot in panels when it opens out to the audience to open questions out to me it always comes up mm. every panel I've ever done speech I've ever done when it's a and a always as me seem so positive and happy all the time do you ever have down days and I'm like yeah of course yeah. and they're really bad mm. like and it's like what you said then you literally took the words out of my mouth is when you have these days have them get into bed cry scream be angry turn your phone off don't even brush your teeth don't shower mm. just lay in a mess but the important thing is open the curtains let the sunlight in and live your life afterwards mm. and I think that's where talking to you know one group of people the people who you know are expected to be happy and this all the time but you know also I want to speak out to the people who if you do right now if you're sitting out there right now feeling like you're failing at being happy or life's not worth living or you know you don't feel like you're doing the best that you can do please just trust me when I say there is hope and I promise there is please don't look at people who are naturally happy or blessed and think that they're in a different category they have been you and I promise you that 
me, Adrian, sitting here, we can both safely say I hope that we have been that that person and felt that feeling. And like I said earlier, it was dark and it was deep. I do wake up sometimes and just go, oh, I don't know if I want to today. And the important thing is I've worked so hard, so hard over the years to find tools and habit changes that will help me get out of that. Find your habit changes, find your tools, find the light that is going to get you out of that because if you feel stuck right now and you feel like we're talking about power hour and we're doing so well at it you can do it too it's not one person can and one person can't Mm. you can do it too and you know adrian gives you so many tips listen to them and please don't listen thinking yeah but i'm not that person yeah Yeah, but but i can't do it yeah but again please listen to the stuff that she says because it is incredible and believe you can do it because everybody can and and I just hate the thought of anyone feeling stuck right now that they're in a different category because you're not it might be a bit harder for you of course and you know people are in different situations and circumstances but you have the ability to be what you you know look at as someone who is lucky and blessed and happy and beaming everybody has that option and you know a podcast like this is sitting there waiting for you to take it listen to it and do it because thank it's for, real yeah thank you for saying that is me and I really hope that the listeners of the show even by listening to the show like you just said you've just you're not like Instagram you scrolled through two seconds you've chosen to commit 45 minutes you know of your it's a long time I don't take that for granted when mm. I think wow someone's listening to what we have to say for maybe even an hour of their day so even just by doing that you know it's like listening and feeling motivated you know that's great but that's the start so yeah. do you know take action do something and anything just do something Amazing. Okay, so before I ask you my closing question, I don't want this episode to end. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Where can they see you online? How can they get in touch? So um, on Instagram, they can find me on there. So I'm Esme underscore LDN. You don't know. Yes. I'm really worried one day I'm going to like move. Oh, I mean, you can imagine we have the same. I know. So mine's LDN I know. too. And I've actually been abroad. So for anyone listening, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the last three letters of both of our Instagram accounts is LDN because we live in London or yeah, work yeah. in London. So I've been to hotels before in America where they assume that that's my surname. So oh, I've had like, welcome, like Mrs. That. London. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever. I I'm would s- take that. Though, yeah, I'll Mrs. go with London. it. All right. My closing question, Esme, is all about time. And it is if you had one extra hour, every single day from now on you have 25 hours in your day what would you use that extra hour to do i would use that extra hour to hang out with esme yes, <laughs> yes. Just hang out with esme Chill. spend some time with her ask her if she's all right what you've been up to you know what you got planned for the rest of the day check um in. yeah just check in with es and uh spend some time with her because apparently she's actually well all right and i don't check in with her enough and ask her and I don't hang out with her enough and laugh at her jokes and people laugh at Ezra's jokes so I might have a I laugh with it. her sometimes I love that I mean we didn't even get to talk about this like party girl but yeah Esme definitely work hard play hard train hard do all of the things with a smile on your face thank you so much for giving us your time Esme for being on the show I really I know that people are going to absolutely love this episode especially with everything that is going on right now you know we can't get away from the fact it's a really insane time for so many people with the virus with perhaps being isolated from loved ones perhaps you know work 
work being cancelled, holidays being cancelled, maybe family members who are due to visit from other sides of the world. So I really hope that this week, whatever is going on in your life, I hope this episode has helped to boost your mood today. Please do share it and get in touch if you've enjoyed the show. Remember, you can rate and review it on iTunes, get in touch on IG. We love all of that. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Esme. Thank you very much. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.